Hello, and welcome back to the latest episode of Riddles in the Dark, brought to you by the Mythgard Institute. This is our very first post-game episode. Um, post-game in the sense of post the Riddles in the Dark game, which we have officially closed. There will be no new riddles. Um, I suppose we should never make uh, unequivocal statements like that, <laughs> because there's always a possibility something will come up. Um, but... The, for the most part, the game is finished, no more riddles, and indeed the, your window to submit your answers is rapidly closing, so make sure you go do that. From here on out, it will be nothing but listening, uh, you will be doing nothing but listening to the three of us make sarcastic comments about promotional material that's been released, <laughs> Lego sets, or just idly speculating in the absence of any real content or information, which, let's face it... <laughs> is what we do better than anything else. <laughs> That's right. Though, again, now is also the time when we shift to, where at least when I shift to being more willing to embrace actual information than, than I was right. before. Yes. I yes. prefer so, to so... do my analysis and speculation of uh, adaptation possibilities uh, unclouded uh, by any actual facts um, <clears throat> because those only get in the way of really good speculation. Um but but really, I mean, again, I'm, you know, I sort of I, I I make fun of myself in doing that. But but I I really think that this is that this is defensible, uh, you know, because to me, I, I I do I they're they're very different processes. The process of analyzing what is there and the process of thinking through the challenges that you know the the, the there's the question of. What kinds of things do they need to do? What kinds of questions do they, you know, do the do the, the the film writers need to be asking as they're, you know, as they're writing and planning the film? You know, thinking about these questions in the abstract, um, without knowing actually what they're doing yet, um, but just thinking through what do what should they be doing? What need they be doing? Um, you know, what what are the uh, what are the crucial questions? Then, having thought that through, one can, with uh, with uh, you know, from a much better and I think, uh, in a in a, in a sort of a peculiar way, b- sort of better informed perspective, having thought through these questions yourself on on you know, sort of on our own, um, without simply just asking like, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? Now we can see what they're doing and you know, put that against the analysis we've already done. And this is how I prefer to do it. So now we're able to to look at, you know, now we're going to be considering all those things I didn't want to think about before. We're going to be looking at um, including some more, uh, you know, more scrutiny of trailers, of stills. You know, so things we're going to be looking at today. There was a trailer released for the extended edition that we're going to be looking at. There was um, there's some bonus footage from the extended edition that was released. The crossing of the Black River um, there uh, and the uh, the the banner, the sort of panoramic uh, uh um, promotional banner that we've seen that they've done for the other two films as well. Um, so we're going to be looking at those things today. Um, cool. Well, in that case, why don't we uh, get started um, and maybe tell the listeners who we are? Oh yeah. Sorry about oh. that. I could totally like interrupted your. Of course they would know. <laughs> who we are, right? in, in case this is the first episode you've ever decided to join us, you've missed the entire Riddles in the Dark game. In which case, you're um, likely to be confused, but that's okay. Yeah. I'm your I'm your co-host Dave Kale, and with me, as always, are the Tolkien Professor Corey Olson and Trish Lambert, who is recently returned to us 
from many adventures. From That's Walt right. Disney World, which right. you know may seem like from, the opposite of a to- what a Tolkien scholar would do. But she's recently returned from terrorizing Disney World. That's right. <laughs> I did. I absolutely did. <laughs> It'll never be the same. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, okay. So actually. So, uh, on your point, Corey, um, you know, I am kind of excited because uh, it, it is always fun to look at the material and, and speculate and, and to have some information to ground our discussions. Um, but on the other hand, you know, like in, in original concept, this podcast was about like, it wasn't just about trying to guess what they would do, although that is a big part of it, but it was also sort of a thought exercise in how would we create a film adaptation? You know, it, 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 it's sort of a, it, it's kind of taking taking what we typically do, what Tolkien fans typically do, which is um, complaining about what Peter Jackson and his and his collaborators um, did in their um, film adaptation, saying, oh, I should have done it this dif- differently and all that, and actually going through a thoughtful exercise where we ask, how might we do it? Which, right. which I think in my experience has often led to me saying, um, gee, you know, one, this is really hard, and probably I shouldn't be such a jackass when I, um, <laughs> when, I when I, you know, analyze when I critique his films. But two, many times what the conclusion is, especially when we see what he actually did, yeah, okay, he did the right thing there. You know exactly. What I mean? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's true. Um, it's true. Yeah, it's you know, it, 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 I, I really think that it is a crucial question that people do, and. I don't know. I mean, the people who just complain and, and say, like, like, you know, Peter Jackson is ruining this. Um, even the people, you know, especially I go back to the people who say, like, where is the fun children's book Hobbit that, you know, that I always loved? Like, you know, would it, you know, why can't we get a film adaptation of that book? I, you know, I think that those people are really fooling themselves. I think that that would be so much harder to do, especially for Peter Jackson to do, than they think. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I mean, how can you go backwards? How can you do yeah. it? When, he, when you've done The Lord of the Rings first, um, I mean, I think that the uh, tr- him, him trying really to capture, um, I mean, even just, even just turning back the clock in the world of Middle-earth, like... Seriously, you're, you're going to go back to the, um, you know, to the stone giants and to the tra la la lolly elves and and right. you know all of the things that make the Hobbit delightful on its own, but very much a preliminary stage in the development of Middle Earth. You know, I mean, the whole concept of Middle Earth and, and not only the history and 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 the story, but the whole tone and and frame of the world is very different in the Lord of the Rings. And having done that going backwards is going to be so right. weird. This is why, you know, in the second, uh, the very second podcast episode I ever recorded, which was the first of my original Hobbit lecture series. Um, and I recorded that back in June of 2007. It was ages ago. The Hobbit movies were only just a rumor at that point. They weren't even confirmed. It was it was it was well before even the the years that we spent one waiting for them to get the green light from the studio and the lawsuits and everything else. They were only a rumor that they were that they were thinking about them. And I said in that in that second episode ever that I hope they didn't do it. 
And the reason I said I hope they didn't do the Hobbit films was for exactly this reason. I said, how are you going to do it? Like, how are you how can you go back and recapture the Hobbit having done The Lord of the Rings? Um, It's just it does. So, you know, so it's easy to say it's easy to say as 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 especially and, and very understandable to say as somebody who loves the book to say this isn't the Hobbit book that I love. I was hoping for a film version of th- this book, you know, who, and I didn't get it. Um, but I, I, I think if people really ask themselves, okay, you know, p- plan it out for us. Describe it for us. Tell us exactly how you would do that. Um, it is much, much harder than, uh, than people think. Um, now I understand that, that uh, many, um, many of those people would simply just say, well, I don't want a movie at all. You know, the movies always ruin it, Um, which, you know, like fine, but then stop complaining that Peter Jackson didn't do it right. You know, I mean, if your objection is just that he did it at all. um, I mean, you know, anyway, so Dave, I completely agree. I think that that's, it's, 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 it's very easy to be a critic without really, um, without really being critical. Um, and that's that's something that really kind of that, you know, to, to be to be a critic in the sense of just scoffing at something in the sense of just saying, you know, saying, you know, just denigrating something um, yes. without actually being critical in your approach and in, in, in really thinking through things carefully. Um, and, you know, Jackson really ended up kind of in the position that Tolkien put himself in in 1960 when he tried to go back and rewrite The Hobbit. And I think, in fact, if I recall correctly in an interview, I think Jackson referred to that and said something like, or I don't know if it was Jackson or somebody else maybe, saying, you know, they'd like to think the professor might have, you know, approved of this because of the fact that, you know, they're doing kind of what he was trying to do, which was to, you know, very clearly link The Hobbit to The Lord of the Rings, um, which is something that, you know, I mean, if you go back to The Hobbit we know, that wasn't that wasn't in the cards at that point. Of course, exactly. Uh, I mean, and that's why it's so hard to go back. I mean, when Tolkien himself went back, he couldn't just go back. He wanted to go back and change it. Um, and, and, uh, and, and to do, ex- ex- you know, the, and, and this is why, you know, from the beginning, this is why I have been so interested in these films, why, you know, the, the significant changes, um, why the significant changes to the story have not bothered me in general, um, you know, has not have not bothered me in, on, on principle. That is, is because I am fascinated by this project for that reason. Because you're right, Tolkien conceived of but did not complete, did not even really. Uh, I mean, he began but didn't really even get very far into the project of really reconciling the Hobbit with the Lord of the Rings. You know, really going back and retconning the Hobbit. Um, f- and 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 acclimating it fully into the Lord of the Rings world. It never happened, but he was doing it. I mean, he was doing it in dribs and drabs. Uh, that's what the Quest of Erebor is doing to a large extent. Um, that's uh, part of what the 1960 Hobbit was intended to do. But he never completed it, and so therefore, a lot of the questions that he didn't answer, which the films are addressing, you know, have to be addressing things like. What is Sauron's plan, and what is Sauron's connection with this? Is the, you know is, is the, the the link between the events of at Dol Guldur and the and the events at Erebor, which are happening at the same time and seem like not a coincidence? Um, that kind of now, 
you know, now to say this, to say that, you know, that, you know, to think he might have approved, I think he would have been interested. I, I, you know, do I think Tolkien would have liked these movies? No, of course I don't think Tolkien would have liked these movies. I, I can't, I don't think, I can't imagine <laughs> Tolkien liking any film version of his book. I don't think, yeah, I no don't matter think he what. would have actually liked any adaptation. He didn't like the ones that, of, of The Hobbit, you know, the stage adaptations that existed during his lifetime. So. Exactly. I mean, for one thing, yeah, Tolkien was a super perfectionist. Pretty... He wrote pretty forcefully in the uh, in his letters that he just thought it was a hopeless venture. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. No, I mean, I think that any any. I mean, the because you know, it's one of the things about it's it's one of the things about doing an adaptation of of somebody else's story is that you know you are you are sort of putting your own vision in many, you know, your own artistic vision, your own, your own visual identity on the story, which is very unlikely to match perfectly with the author's, you know, picture of like what those characters look like, how those characters would have talked uh, and that kind of thing. So, I mean, how many, how many authors are there who really, really love the film adaptations of their books? Um, other than those who were like very, very heavily involved in the making of the films themselves. But if they weren't, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, but, um, but yeah. And, you know, I, um, I actually had, I was puttering around on a weekend around the house and one of the stations on my, you know, cable TV had, uh, an unexpected journey on. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll put that on. So I had it on, you know, and I, but I was doing stuff. I wasn't just sitting watching it. And to tell you the truth, it hung together pretty well. I mean, as far as my experience of the book. Now, I will grant you that what I probably did was like ignored scenes that I didn't like, like the Rock'em Sock'em robots. And, you know, I mean, I just didn't pay attention to scenes that I was not that enamored with. But like when Riddles in the Dark came up or the Unexpected Party part came up, I did pay attention. And I'm like, you know, these are, that's actually pretty good. I mean, when I didn't have to analyze it and think about it, it was like, this is actually not that bad. So. You know, it, it for me it was it was a much more aligned with my book experience than I expected it to be. Again, probably because I was ignoring the parts that jarred for me when I you know watched it in the theater. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is a good strategy. Self self delusion is a good strategy yes. for happiness. <laughs> denial. You know? Yes. Den- like you know, selective denial when you're rewatching it. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Kate. Kate Neville points out, you know, she says uh, one wonders whether um, his conviction that making the films was a hopeless quest was a, a part of his willingness to sell the film rights. I absolutely think it was. I mean, I think. Yeah. Isn't that what he said? He said, he said, I either want creative control or money. Right. That's right. Right. And, and he and he elected and he received money and he accepted it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it, it was clear that he, he didn't think it was really going to happen. Um, and, he, you know, Kay Ben Abraham is saying, I was so sad that I discovered some of Tolkien's more curmudgeonly tendencies. It's certainly true, and especially uh, uh, especially uh, as he got older. But, but you know, at the same time, I, I would say this is also part of the... It's part of his era, too. That is, critics of his era were fierce. Uh, I mean, when you read, um, even, you know, people like C.S. Lewis and, and, and J.R.R. Tolkien and other literary critics from that period, when they are, um, 
when they are harshing on something, they are really harsh. You know, they yeah. do not. When there was, they are aroused. Oh my goodness. There, there is no, uh, th- there was just much less. I, we're so much more polite these days. We very rarely just like call things out. Uh, and, um, but uh, they were much more forceful. Uh, they, their tendency was to be much more forceful with their language then. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Art as that is to believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, but anyway, so that 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 the part of that uh, you know K is some of the tone that I detect there. I mean, it, it sounds familiar from you know having read other literary critics of that of that era. Um, you know, when they start uh, when they start explaining why they don't like something that they find really appalling, they uh, their language gets. Uh, very, very, uh, very aggressive, and 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 Tolkien sort of sounds like that at sometimes. But but I do think I mean he's a he's a he's a he's a perfectionist. You know I mean he's um, he was he he was very critical of his own work as well. You know and there. Um, Anyway, so so I, this is why I always find that question of you know, and and I hate it when journalists ask me that question. It, it, they do this sometimes, you know, when I'm being interviewed for something, and they'll say, um, "So, you know, do you think Tolkien would have approved?" And I'm like, "Please don't make me go there," you know, because it's, you know, I can't say, I, I I obviously can't say yes, but to say no is really misleading, you know, because if if I'm quoted as saying Tolkien would have disapproved, then then it sounds like I'm saying really something different than right. I'm actually saying. Um, but they, uh, they, they they very frequently ask that. But um, we should yeah. get on to right. our visual stuff here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, first there was a a, a, a question oh, I got by right. email that I thought that was timely, which that's I right. thought was uh, interesting. Uh, Justin Danforth uh, Danford sent me a a question, um, which is. Do we think that Jackson will bring Gollum into the final Hobbit film? Um, and he, he said this this question emerged when he was rereading uh, uh, The Shadow of the Past, the beginning of The Fellowship of the Ring, and uh, listening to Gandalf's account of how uh, Gollum left the mountains and found his way into Mirkwood and, uh, you know, that he followed Bilbo's trail. Um, and then of course, uh, Gandalf let him, you know, uh, Gandalf describes the moment where he decides to let Gollum go, um, and, uh, uh, and not to pursue him at that time and how, how terrible a mistake that was. Um, and, uh, and, Okay, so then Justin goes on and says, there are many ways in which, looking to, pl- looking to place this retelling of The Hobbit in the context of the other films, I can see Jackson placing this material in the chronology of The Hobbit to justify a slinking Gollum in the ruins of Dale before, during, or after the main battle. Better yet, Gollum could be seen by Gandalf following their company on their return journey. Presuming Bilbo makes his ring known to Gandalf prior to this point, it could be... Uh, that we see Gandalf silently battling an internal conflict to either pursue Gollum or let him be, instead of trusting to Saruman's assurances. In the very least, I could imagine a scene where Gandalf turns to see a sneaking Gollum followed by a raised eyebrow, only to be distracted by some other issue. Um, it strikes me, he says, as something very Jacksonish to want to tie Gollum back into the rippling events at the end of the third Hobbit film to set up the future stories. 
I wonder if Tolkien would have attempted something similar if he completed his effort to reimagine The Hobbit in the light of the greater Lord of the Rings story. An excellent question. Um, That's actually a really perfect example. Um, Gollum, Hobbit Gollum, you know, 1937 Hobbit Gollum wasn't leaving the caves. Because, of course, as you may remember from previous episodes or from other from, from Mythgard classes or how, wherever, you know, we might have talked about this before, 1937, Gollum had no desire to leave the caves. You know, he gave the ring up of his own free will and shake hand, shook hands in a friendly manner with Bilbo at the door. So there was no question of, Bil- of, 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 of Gollum leaving. When Gollum got revised... Uh, into, you know, uh, you know, curse Baggins, we hate him forever. Um, he was already stuck. You know, it, he had the, the, the events of the plot, um, the, 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 the rest of the events of the, the, the rest of the Gollum free rest of the events of the plot of the Hobbit had already been written for decades. So he couldn't change that. But it becomes difficult to imagine now, knowing Gollum as we know him from the point of view of the Lord of the Rings, why would Gollum wait years? I mean, the only yeah. explanation that Tolkien gives as to why Gollum didn't follow Bilbo right then. I mean, like, maybe he would have waited 10, 15 minutes, you know, for the goblins to calm down, or maybe even a couple of hours um, until he could sneak out when they when they weren't looking or when they you know went out to pursue like during the frying pan into the fire scene if you know uh, when the when the orcs leave to to chase them down um surely then gollum could have sneaked out i mean you know the lord of the rings gollum who has had his precious taken away can we imagine him being like well i'm just going to sit disconsolately yeah. in my cave for several years without doing anything before i come? it's almost inconceivable i mean it's an inconsistency but it's a kind of inconsistency which emerges really naturally out of the history of the writing of the lord of the rings and the way that that you know the way that that worked out um so I do think that um, I do think that if he were, you know, in making that, he, I mean, he couldn't have, he wouldn't have changed history. Tolkien didn't do that very often. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine him putting Gollum much into the latter parts of The Hobbit if he had, you know, completed the rewriting of it. But surely he would have given some kind of rationale or something behind why Gollum wouldn't have done that. So I think it's, I I think it's an excellent question. Um, And, you know, we've been, I think there's a little bit of fogginess being created by Jackson and and company because um, Andy Serkis has, you know, very clearly stated multiple times, no more Gollum. But I take that to mean no more speaking Gollum. Right. You know, in other words, he's not going to be speaking. That doesn't mean we're not going to see him. And in fact, I think it would be um, strange not to see Gollum in some some way like Justin's describing. It just doesn't seem it doesn't make sense to me that that Jackson would just leave that thread. Like you said, you know, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. He'd just sit in the mountains. So, I mean, I could see you know, something happening kind of along the lines of what Justin's described. And in fact, we'll be very disappointed if we don't see something like that, because it just doesn't make sense. It means that within the economy of Jackson's film world, we last see Gollum standing there in despair in the tunnel after Bilbo has escaped. And then we don't see him again until he's on the rack 
in Barad-dûr right, in right. the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, I agree. That seems unsatisfactory, really. Yeah, I um, think so. Now, I mean, there's still the matter of the 60 years. Like, if he's on their trail to the Shire, uh, where is he going to go? And, 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 you know, Trisha and I were joking before about, like, uh, Gollum being tortured for decades in Barad-dûr. Um, <laughs> before he finally gives up the name. <laughs> before he finally gives up the name. Yeah. Really, whom we really have to thank is Gollum, who held out on the rack for 35 years before he finally said Baggins Shire. Um, <laughs> if not for if not for that, it, you know, the, the, the ring race would have been there decades before um, when, when Frodo was still in diapers. But um, a baby. I. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I don't know how they manage that, but I do agree that just like a glimpse of him coming out, even if he comes out late, you know, um, even if all we see is in the closing sequence, because I assume there's going to be some kind of a closing, you know, that we're going to get some kind of like, you know, montage thing of the the storm brewing, you know, some kind of Gandalf anticipating the war that is to come. And, you know, now this is only the beginning and, and all that, you know, I assume we're going to get something like that near the end of the film to set things up for the Lord of the Rings. I, I too will be surprised if we don't get, um, any shot of Gollum in there, you know, him emerging. It, it could just be him emerging well after the battle, you know, maybe, maybe that's how they do it. That would be simplest, right? We just get a picture of him emerging out and looking shiftily, you know, around and sniffing the air. Maybe we get, you know, or maybe there is this kind of a near encounter. Maybe Gandalf thinks he sees him. And, and, uh, and, and so we get that kind of a, I mean, uh, Justin's description there, I think is neat because it would be, uh, it would be people who know the books would get it really clearly. Right. Um, you know, that this is sort of playing on Gandalf, not chasing down Gollum when he had the chance. Um, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Dave? So what do you think, Dave? You've been kind of quiet. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. um, That must be, that must be why he's so quiet. Yeah. 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 Well, um, (laughs) listening, um, I'm trying to remember what the heck I said for the riddle for this. I'm pretty sure, or we did like a conundrum or something back in season one, yeah, like two years ago. Yeah, Yeah. I'm pretty sure I said yes. Yeah, I know Um, I did. And things have certainly changed in terms of the the story of the film and the timeline and stuff. And I don't know how they would do it, but I still, I still personally think that we will get at least a glimpse of Gollum coming out of the cave, even if it's at the very end, even if it's the montage of, montage of all the pieces falling into the place for the beginning of the Lord of the Rings. I'm still pretty sure we're going to see him coming out of the cave. Um, whether he'll be at the Battle of Five Armies, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I know that's. That's a question. I mean, I could see what Corey just said, which is we kind of have an epilogue again, voiceover by, by Bilbo, much like the, mm-hmm. much like the first movie started. Only now it's like a wrap up, you know. Right. Little did we know, or there were things moving, or something like that. And part of that is this very short deal of Gollum coming out of the mountains and the sun hurting his eyes, and you know what I mean. It's like that's that's all we would need, really. There doesn't really have to be much more than that just to make the connection. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um, so I don't know if I, 
I don't want to say I don't want to say I don't think we'll see him at Battle Five Armies because it seems like something Jackson and company would be very tempted to do. Uh, but I don't see it. Doesn't I can't imagine any way of putting him there that would make any sense to me. So I, I don't yeah. think we'll see him at Battle Five Armies, but I certainly think we'll see him again. Well, it's uh, uh, Brianna makes a really good point. She says, you know, the simplest thing to do is not to include him um, because bringing him up again raises questions that filmgoers aren't necessarily currently asking. Um, and I agree. Right. Especially, no, in... you know, I really think that that savvy filmgoers who don't know the books that well, I personally think they're going to say, "Hey, where's Gollum?" Right, and not and... not in a not in a sort of a logical story sense, but in a hey, that's a character I know who is in Lord of the Rings, right, and whom we met, and who it seems has every reason, to... and especially since. Yeah. If they've gotten to know him in the Lord of the Rings film, they've gotten to know him as that guy who will pursue the ring no matter what, you know, over any terrain and under any circumstances. Where is he and why is he not pursuing Bilbo in the ring? That's what he does, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, th- there is that question. And again, also the, I mean, I, I do think that there's the continuity question too. You know, what, what, how does he get to, uh, um, how does he get to, you know, how, how does he wind up in a Baradur torture chamber? Um, but um, anyway, I, I think I agree, but I, I certainly do agree with Brianna to the extent that to to integrate him into the actual plot of the film, I think creates does create more problems than it resolves, because if he's at the Battle of Five Armies, how does that not end conclusively? You know, like mm-hmm. If he's there, I mean, if he's in the same place as Bilbo, like, what possible excuse could you have for that not to end either with him recovering the ring from Bilbo or dying? Like, that just seems... you. That's no way to set up 60 years of nothing much happening, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, so, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, um, it doesn't. It, it, I can't. I can't see. I, again, the only way you could do it is have him captured and tortured for sixty years again. But that's that. That to me, that to me seems like that would that would require. Ugh, it would strain credulity. Like they would really have to yeah. work hard to put him at the Battle of Five Armies. Whereas there are ways to put him in the film that make a lot more sense. Right, because you right. know it's it's it. Just having him emerge. Um, you know, uh, you know, Gerald Michael was just asking the sensible question: Why couldn't Gollum find the Shire in sixty years? Um, uh, well, remember in the <laughs> in the book in Fellowship of the Ring, he hadn't been looking for sixty years. You know, he, he he'd been looking for less time than that. But also remember, Minnow Earth is a big place, and you've got a guy who's been literally living in a hole in the ground for uh, for. Yeah. You're for... making the you're making the modern information. Um, the, the classic. We, we need to come up with a good name for this. And we, we yes. should really, we should really have like a taxonomy of questions people ask about the about the Lord of the Rings or Tolkien in Tolkien's writings in general that are committing sort of classic mistakes. Yes, and, that, and this is the modern information, um, uh, whatever. So we'll come up with a better name. The modern information mistake, which is, boy, wouldn't have you know how hard could it have been to find it? Right. You know, like there's right. no internet. <laughs> Right. Like he couldn't just Google it. He couldn't Google. He, he couldn't. Yeah, he, just a, 
like imagine just think back to how many peop how many lands and peop how many lands the hobbits in both books travel through how many peoples they meet where they say um, you know what are you again I'm a hobbit uh, hmm well we do have some stories we tell about short people but we thought that those were just myths where do you live I live in the Shire where the heck is that right that's way off in the west whoa huh who knew. <laughs> You know, you know I, mean? and I can attest to the fact that somebody who's running around Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings online that it's very easy to get lost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and you know, I have to say, you know, actually, you know, Dave, it's funny. I was just thinking about. I, I just had a really interesting exercise in this um, uh, the other day. I was talking to my two kids, and they were, um, they were talking about uh, like. You know, we were driving over to uh, uh, to my to, to my sister's house to the, to their cousin's house, and uh, it's about twenty minutes by car, and and they were saying like, oh, we should have a jet plane. We could get there in less than one second. And I was like, well, no, let's actually think that through. So we did math. You know, so like, okay, what's the speed of a jet? And my my eleven year old knew because he's obsessed with planes. And so you know, we calculated how long it actually. No, it would take you more than one second to get there by jet. And then I did the other thing. I'm like, okay. How fast could you go on a horse? How long would it take you to get there on a horse? How long would it take you to walk there? And they realized, wow, it would take like four hours or more to walk there on foot. Um, you know, it would take it, it would be it would be a half day's journey to get from here. And that's just, you know, two towns over in New Hampshire, you know, um, and they were and, and one of the things that they were sort of realizing is like, yeah, that's why states up here are so small, actually, <laughs> because when these states were founded, they didn't seem small. You know, even 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 little new, you know, the, the gap between New Hampshire and Boston, which people commute to go to work every day, you know, was uh, was a, a full day's journey, more than a full day's journey sometimes. Um, so you you put that now, you know, that onto Middle Earth. This is why I mean, again, it's not just about information not being able, but travel being difficult and therefore unusual. I mean, it was this is why it was so common, even in, you know, even in like little England counties and stuff. You know, when you read uh, not just medieval works, but like 19th century novels and stuff, you know, I'm thinking of the. Um, you know, for instance, the to make another Jane Austen reference because that's what I do now. Apparently, um, uh, thinking of the discussion that that Elizabeth Bennet and Mister Darcy have about whether or not fifty miles is living close to your family. You know, when they're talking about you know Charlotte and Mister Collins, um, you know, she considers fifty miles a really long distance. You know, because it's. It, 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 you do, you, you do, I mean, it's that, that's a major undertaking, even with the comparatively good and travel in Jane Austen's England, you know, with with good roads and uh, and, you know, well-equipped carriages and things was certainly easier than it is in Middle Earth. Um, so, yeah, I mean, people from East Farthing and West Farthing, you know, Sam Gamgee's never been 20 miles away from home. And that's perfectly normal. I mean, why would you go further away than that? That's a long trip. 20 miles by foot is a long ways, especially if your legs are quite short. So, um, so yeah, I, I, exactly. So just thinking of, of Gollum, um, you know, this hobbit-sized guy who has been living under the in caves under the mountains for centuries, hasn't even seen the light of day, much less have any clear memory of any kind of geography. Not to mention the fact that, of course, he grew up not far from the mountains. You know, he just went to the nearby mountains that he could see from the, from the Gladden Fields. So, um, 
he's never been he's never been that far. So so yeah, the idea that like, now you're just going to set off randomly wandering over hundreds of miles on foot. Um, yeah, it's going to take you a heck of a time to find the Shire. <laughs> and he was pretty, you know, like even though he sort of maniacally pursues the ring, he's pretty conservative about risking his own neck. You mm-hmm. know, like. We see that time yes. and again. He, he, that is his primary concern, not dying. Um, and so, so while he would pursue the ring once, once he sort of had, you know, there was a hope that he could actually find it. Um, I'm pretty sure that he would be very, very, care- you know, like he's not going to just go blundering into trouble. Right, right, right. No, exactly. We do see him always being very cautious. Um, you know, you think of how cautious he was in the Dead Marshes and how much more worried he was um, than Frodo and Sam even about traveling under the light or even uh, under the light of the sun or even under the moon. Um, yeah, yeah. Also in Moria, when we first actually see him in real time in, in Fellowship of the Ring, I mean, he's very cautious. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it's... By the um, way, I just want to say something. Difficult. I want yeah. you as my dad, Corey. When, <laughs> if I do a retake, what an awesome conversation that was that you had with your sons. I think that's cool. That was fun. Of course, it was also... Uh, I, I was also clandestinely reinforcing algebra lessons about conversion of of <laughs> of, uh, of 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 units of measure you know so uh, see that's good you're giving him something applicable it's like you could yes. say well why are we doing math it has no bearing it's like no no it does here's an example exactly yes how do you convert miles per hour to how many seconds would it take to cross this list this distance wow exactly. yeah yeah um, we were doing that in our heads as we as we drove into school so there we go wow um, right <laughs> This is this is and and this is your this is your episode of growing up with geeks, Um, (laughs) but but anyway, (laughs) um, um, yeah, I was I was just listening to uh, I was just sort of just noticing um, um, my some of my son's speech patterns in his vocabulary and I'm like oh man yeah you're making a geek aren't we've you? totally you're wrecked him yeah he just oh, doesn't funny. talk like a normal person but you know back to what Dave was saying about the whatever we're going to call this you know real time I mean uh, today's stuff applied to yesterday's things when my niece was really young I think she was preschool she and her dad were watching like you know one of the classic movie channels and they're watching a black and white movie she turns to my 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 brother-in-law and says how did they take the color out (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a similar phenomenon yes yeah yes um (laughs) yeah yeah so what was the year in which they actually you know you know, painted the green monster, you know, it used to be gray, um, you know, back in the days. Um, okay. So now let's put this materials. Yeah. We should, we should, uh, we should, we should actually move on. No, no, no. Yeah, I know, but I don't want to move on. I, 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 I I want to come up with a name. I want to come up with a name. It should be Robert Brown is right. Fallacy is the noun we should be using here. This is clearly Mm -hmm. a fallacy. So mm-hmm. we need we need to we need to call it uh, the something the 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 informational fallacy. fallacy the uh, the 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 information age fallacy the modern uh, the modern, modern viewpoint fa- fallacy yeah. fallacy yeah um, I think the the um, 
The information age fallacy is a pretty good one. K comes up. K, K, K Ben Abrams says the fallacy of technological privilege. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, because that doesn't embrace speed of travel as well as uh, as well as. Yeah. Although as... I kind of I kind of want to carve out um, techno fallacy. Kate's I kind of want to separate travel from information spread. Right. Right. I kind of want to. I want to distinguish those two things, just because then we can proliferate the number of uh, of clever fallacy names. Uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the more the more clever names we can take credit for, the better. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Temporal fallacy. Expedia fallacy. <laughs> Expedia fallacy. <laughs> that's, that's the travel one. That's the travel one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The the techno fallacy. That that that's interesting, Kate. Yeah. Yeah, though I think it would. It, it, my fear is that if if we say technology, um, you know, knowing how how well known is uh, is Tolkien's, you know, resistance to technology, um, it might mislead people into thinking we were talking about something like that. Um, yeah, let's not perpetuate that uh, that uh, myth. Yeah, um, let's see. Um, I think something with the information age fell uh, in it is uh, would be good. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Brian says if Expedia is the travel one, then Wiki fallacy would be the, <laughs> <laughs> the information one. <laughs> fallacy of modern expectations. That's kind of you know it is like a viewpoint or modern assumptions. Actually, the yeah. fallacy of modern assumptions. Yeah, that one is that one is true. So again, uh... because oftentimes it's done with assumptions that people aren't even aware they're making. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's it, it really is about <clears throat> it really is simply about applying a modern worldview um, mm-hmm. to Middle Earth. You unthinkingly. Know, unthinkingly, and not even recognizing yeah. that that right. you're doing it, um, uh, because of course the minute you really do stop and think it through, um, even the even the because I mean it's sort of and, and it's 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 connected to them, but I think it's sort of a third fallacy that people make is forgetting the length of time that passes. You know that right. people um, right. people when people forget about the fact that oh that's um, the Jackson fallacy. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that when. People forget about the fact that in the shadow of the past, when Gandalf is sitting there in the in the you know in the parlor of Bag End with Frodo, um, the events of of you know uh, of Dagger of the Battle of Daggerlad were as, cro- as as chronologically removed from from them as as the building of the great pyramids of Egypt is, yeah. is to us. That's you know, I mean, nice. it is that far in ancient history. Um, and people forget about that. You know, that's, that's, that's enormous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kate asks if it's related to the, to, to the chronological snobbery that Lewis talked about. It's not the same, Kate. That is about how the assumptions you make about people um, in, in times past. So that is like, you know, assuming that medieval people were 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 dumb and unsophisticated for instance because they happen to know less than we do about some things though i still continue to assert that they knew more than we do about other things um but anyhow um there's there's Chrono fallacy i mean you know it, it has to do kind of with how one's world like for example we know today i mean your sons are a good example i mean their worldview is 
completely different yes. than yours was at the same age because of you know what's changed. And it's not necessarily just technology. I mean, my parents' worldview was different from their parents' worldview, and that yes. was, had nothing to do with computers. It's just as prog, you know, as things progress, um, it's that you know, it's kind of a worldview fallacy. It's it's what it's people applying the worldview they have today back to that, whether it's Middle Earth or whether it's our own history. It just you know, I mean, I see that a lot of times with people engaging with history as well right. in our own history. Oh, absolutely, it's like, well, no, you can't do that. It's so you've got to think of it differently. Um, you know, our, like your point to the to the New England. I mean, the Revolutionary times. You know, the fact right. that it took right. so long for word to get out through all the colonies. People don't like. What do you mean? They didn't just like. Didn't they just get a phone call? <laughs> Exactly. Mod- exactly. Mod- I mean, Cron fallacy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Paul Revere rode right through. You know that. Uh, you know, like it's the, this is the road that Paul Revere rode on. It's right. In, right. You know, I, I live not far from it. Um, but I, I mean, we're a day's ride out of Boston yeah. here. You yeah. know, by horse. Right. Um, right. It's yeah. Or or that there was you know like eleven years between the Declaration and the and the Constitution. You know that it took that long for there to be that unification required to really become a nation i mean people don't it's like you know oh well the united states was just like that was july 4th 1776 right right exactly and then you think about the fact like not only do you have to you have to get the people together and you know the constitutional congress and everything but then you've got like the people that the actual you know citizens down in south carolina i mean how long is it until they even find out that it happened you know i mean right right yeah yeah um, so, you know, and that absolutely applies in spades to Middle Earth. I mean, you know, just apply that reality to the world, you know, to, to Tolkien's world. And it's, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, um, anyway, so I don't know what we call it. Maybe yeah. we should just leave it as an open question. Maybe we, this is something we should return to at the beginning of the next episode. Yeah. And let the and, listeners and, and, let okay, us know and, uh, and those of you who are here, uh, this is homework. Be thinking about this. This and, homework, uh, yes. uh, and, and, um um. Yeah. Yeah. Case I... <laughs> says she remembers a student who thought it was a miracle that Jesus grew from a baby to thirty-three years old between holidays of Christmas and Easter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh dear! <laughs> wow. That's great. But you're right. I mean, we have now. We really we have cl- people clamoring for the vid- the visuals. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. We really will. Okay. Okay. Let's let's do this. But this uh, this is I think this this is I think this is an important thing. This is I something is that I, this is something that I want that I that I that I want to do. You know, Dave, we should actually compile a list because I do right. think that that would be really really useful. Well, we need a term for it because I think it's just so common. Yes. For people to unthinkingly do it. We, yeah. It's like critfic. You know, we need to have a easy exactly exactly easy way to accuse someone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. True. Um, yeah. It'd be nice to have a convenient well, it's good list. To have an easy way to accuse people. Exactly. Absolutely. Yes. The, the, yes. Absolutely. It's, there's, there's... And that should have a name too, actually. So. <laughs> right. That's right. So then people can accuse us of that. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. And just right. think of how everyone will have uh, uh, will have will, will, will their lives will be made more convenient, both in the being accused <laughs> and the accusing, accusing, and happiness will abound. So okay. Um, Let's let's do visuals. Want to do the trailer? Yeah, yes. let's do the trailer. Let's do the trailer. I okay. think we could do the rest of the episode just on the trailer. We're gonna have to be really. <laughs>
Okay, well, we here's here's left. here's the trailer for. Okay, hang on a second. I gotta I gotta. I, I I didn't forget this time to get out my speakers so that people could actually hear the trailer while we talk about oh, it. Awesome. Um, and we're still gonna have you back. Like your sound's not gonna go. Funny no, my sound's not gonna finish. go away. Yeah. Okay. Um. So um. All right. Let's see, hang on. Make sure my little speakers are on here. I'm attaching my little external speakers. Okay. This is a very interesting trail. I mean, hmm. to me, the one piece is the rest of it was like, okay, okay, fine. But this is like. Okay, let's see. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. The question is, can I hear you? Darn it. Oh, you can't hear us? Oh, dear. So, Dave. <laughs> let's keep up a little patter here while Corey figures Grr. out. Okay. Um,. What's, I'm not sure what's happening. I'm not Let's sure what's see. happening either. My, uh, my... Okay, hang on a second. Let me try again. Let me try again here. Corey's computer. Yes. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. We got it now. It's okay. like a computer within a computer. <laughs> this, this is, is when, when we're, we're happy, happy that you're a geek, Corey. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's occasionally useful. Uh, I'm 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 sometimes an insufficient geek. Okay, um, let's um, let's play the trailer. Ready? Yeah. On November fourth, was that an earthquake? That, my lad, was a dragon. haven't seen the whole adventure until you've seen the extended edition. Thurm is not come near, Erebor. You have no right to enter that mountain. I have the only right. With 25 extra minutes not seen in theaters. Either our little friends return triumphant, or old Smaug dines on Dwarf for a day or two. Hours of special features that take you deeper into the adventure. <laughs> what is this place? The last of this is the world of men. They will have the dwarves until they see them destroyed. Before you see the final Hobbit movie in theaters. What have we done? Be the first to own The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, Extended Edition, on Digital HD, October 21st, on Blu-ray, November 4th. I want to be a voiceover person. When? There were a couple of really interesting pieces in there. Yes. I thought. Yes, there are. Um, I'm uh, disengaging my... the, the Like, the Bjorn was... Bjorn was splitting wood. That was right. exciting. Yes, Bjorn splitting wood. I think that's really that's that's clearly the feature. We should we should return to that <laughs> because yeah. and and I, I love the way that it works. You know, they're like including never seen before footage, and they show Bjorn splitting wood, and it's like, <laughs> yes, Bjorn chopping you, you wood. Several, 
several hours of the characters performing routine chores. <laughs> yes. 25, 25 minutes, minutes of new uh, footage, including... <laughs> oh, yes. Look Yorn. at that. Chop. There we go. Yorn splitting wood. <laughs> the dwarves cleaning up... Uh, the dwarves doing dishes after dinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the master the entire, dressed. What was the name of the celebration they were having in, in, in Thranduil's Hall? I forget. The entire feast of the... Whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Feast of some kind of life or something. <laughs> the, the, right, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, Bjorn almost decap- decapitates Gandalf. See, Bjorn almost decapitates Gandalf. Starlight, that's right. Feast of Starlight. I took my Feast of Starlight. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say the thing that I'm the thing that we missed most here, you know, the obvious um, is Bjorn's pants. I mean, look how awesome Bjorn's pants are. (laughs) Just think how we were deprived of that in the theatrical version. I mean, that's true. Talk about high riders. Holy cow. Like, see Bjorn's pants that come up to his armpits. That might be one of those um, back support things that people wear. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that could be. Turning into a bear a really does thing. terrible yeah. things for your spine, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin says Gandalf's little voice captures say, hey, watch where you're swinging that thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. He does. Look at that. Yeah. Jeez. Walking up behind a guy splitting wood with a giant axe. Really? Un- unannounced. Not, not smart. One of the things that's most striking to me about this trailer, I have to say, is the paucity of new footage that it reveals. Um, I know. I mean, okay, we saw that, uh, saw that, saw that, saw that, saw that, saw that, earthquake, that, my friends, is a dragon. They put a lot into this scene. I mean, yeah, seen that, seen that, seen this, seen that. Okay, now we've seen we've seen this. We've seen that. We, we found it. We've seen it several times. We've just never seen it in the films, actually. So okay, um, here finally we get the the actual the action, and then the one. This is the one genuinely this new is. thing that we've never yeah. seen before. Um, this is this is your your man wild man living in the woods thing. I am so. It's taken a long time to be justified, but I am. I am. um, I could. Content. It's worth it. It's worth it to lose everything else if I am correct about my Thran living as a mad hermit theory. That I was more proud of that than almost any other crazy answer I gave in the riddle game. And if that one turns out to be right. I'm telling you. So justified. You're going to so be... So justified. Yeah. We'll have to have that as an asterisk on the certificate. Yeah, I'm going to be intolerably smug. Oh, gosh. Um, and I, this whole oh, thing about wonderful. Thorn must not go to Erebor is, to me, that's more Arkenstone-y, crazy-making. I assume you know, so. can't go to Erebor because he's going to get nuts. Yeah. I assume so. Though, it's a little bit... Um, I don't know. I am a little puzzled about it, I have to admit. Like, when Smaug was talking that way about, you know, what's going to be happening to... Th- you know, with Thran, this is the third, right? It's the third 
of these kinds of references. We first got it from Elrond in the extended edition the of the first edition. film, right? right? right. About mm-hmm. how, like, oh yeah, like uh, um, that uh, that that you know the the line of Durin is just full of crazy, right? And 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 Thorin's likely to break out soon. Um, and then we get Smaug, right, saying like, "Oh, wait till you see what's going to happen, Thorin." And then, and now we're getting Thran essentially saying the same thing. Kevin Ofa says Thran might ask him, "Do you still have my map and key?" Or um, actually, it would be like, "Why did you give him the? Ma- Why did you give Gandalf the map and key if you think he, should, you know, Thorin shouldn't go to Erebor?" Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's. Uh, it's, By the way, I just want to make a note that. Look at all the skulls in the background. I mean, think in terms of how many people, first of all, that represents. And second of all, how much work it required to actually, like, landscape the place with skulls like that. It's true. It's true. Skulls are more work than you think. Yeah, yeah. Um, <sighs> Two people have said, is this a flashback? Two people of Jeremy and, 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 is it Lincoln, have both said, could this be a flashback? Could be. Yeah. Though I don't know how that would fit. Where's where's? I'm going the wrong way here. Sorry, sorry. All right, apologize. Yeah, Kate says the same thing. When is this happening? Flashback right after Ragas leaves Gandalf. Like Gandalf's remembering. I don't think so. That looks like Gandalf when he's like Kate said right after Radagast is left. Yeah, I mean this is obviously Gandalf at Dol Guldur, right? I mean, what else could it be? Yeah, yeah. It has to be with all those skulls. Absolutely, Dol Guldur. Yeah. And you've got the hanging the, cages over here. I think the question is going to be a flashback, but I don't think we've had... Gandalf hasn't gone to Dol Guldur. Unlike in the book, he hasn't gone to Dol Guldur prior to this. Yeah. So it would need to. It would be in real time. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I have to think so. Which means this is not going to be a give Thorin the map and key scene. No. Uh-uh. Um, it's going to be, oh my god, I shouldn't have given you that map and key because now I know that Thorin shouldn't be going to Erebor. Right. I right. don't know. I don't right. know. Um, yeah, Anthony uh, uh, Palicio says um, uh, the you know the sword is the, the sword is in his hand when he draws it. You know, and saying you know it is undoubtedly a trap. Yeah, he's walking. It's it's exactly even the posture he was using right. when he was going around Dol Guldur. You know, That's with right. his sword and staff, um, and the cage in the background. Yeah, I agree. I mean, th- this seems really definitive. Um, um, I um Yeah, yeah. So I think this is definitely this is definitely going to be you know this is definitely just cut out of the um Well, cuz didn't we we did get that, didn't we in the in the in the movie version that we did get a scene of or a shot of Gandalf standing in that position, right? Yes. We just didn't get the throne jumping down on him thing. Yes, like this one, like we saw this yeah. one from the front. It was, it was really, I mean, because right. I remember seeing it in the film and I was like, okay, here comes the guy plummeting down from above. And then it didn't happen. And I was deeply confused. Right. Um, so yeah, he seems to be lurking. What his connection is with Dol Guldur is he is obviously not a prisoner. Um, yeah, I can't figure that out. Yeah. Seriously, this place has the worst security. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> It's true. Well, other than the fact that maybe Sauron figures he's secure because he's got it all, you know, veiled, like the full, the full. Um, right, but how much sense. sense does that make? I mean, he's he's got he's he's there's an orc army here, cloaked. Okay, there's an invisible orc army, and 
So what's happened? Either he hasn't noticed them. I mean, like, talk about how how I mean, how, how dumb is he going to feel, right, when he discovers that the top secret abandoned ruin he's been hiding out in is actually like the center of of a of an enormous orc army, um, run by his like bitter enemy who murdered his father, and he was like thinking he was on his own the whole time. Like, boy, is he going to feel kind of silly when 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 you know Thran figures that out? But similarly. You know, how are Azog and company, what kind of security are they running? Like, oh, or do they know about him? Oh, yeah, there's that crazy dwarf that lives upstairs. We just don't bother him. Yeah, right. You know, there's I, no problem. Yeah, Azog's like, yeah, no, I'm out to kill his entire line, but him I'll let run around Dogmuldor. Exactly. Right, yeah, the, we have this pet crazy dwarf that we allow to run around upstairs. I mean, I, I don't, I really don't understand it. Um, how, the, the, okay, the only thing that I can understand my only theory here is that he has followed Gandalf in that he's has seen Gandalf approaching. Ah, Not that he lives here, but that he's, he has followed Gandalf. Yeah. Um, because you know, he's, he's living as like a crazy hermit off on the, on the edges of Mirkwood, you know, cause like from the time when he ran off, uh, from the battle in, uh, in, uh, you know, at, as an old bazaar, you know, he's made it as far as, which is a word we have not said enough recently. I agree. I agree. Um, I've been too, I've been too busy saying Roach, but anyway, um, (laughs) they, they, uh, yeah. So, so he, he lives nearby and he saw Gandalf come down and he's been, he's been trailing Gandalf and he didn't get a chance to, he didn't find any like sufficiently high vantage point from which to jump down upon Gandalf until he got to Dol Guldur. So that's how he ended up. uh, That's how he ended up here. Now, yeah. Gerald has pointed out that Thrine has probably hidden his ring in the Witch King statue. Because, of course, Lego. Lego, yes, on Lego Authority, yes. Yes, that would be... Uh, because um, that would be the obvious place, the obvious thing to do with your ring. Like, here I am <laughs> in enemy territory. There's a statue that looks like the Witch King of Angmar. That looks hey, like a safe hiding place. hiding in plain sight, you know what I mean? It's, That's right. How would the necromancer ever expect to see a dwarf? <laughs> That's right. They will do, we will do what they least expect. Yes, I'm. I'm still not convinced that's Thrain. No. How no. can you not be convinced it's Thrain? <laughs> Who is it going to be? Uh, what I don't know. Introducing in the third movie. I don't know. I'm just keeping an open mind. Okay. Could be. Uh, boom, boom, boom. I don't know. Boom, 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 He's clearly a dwarf. I mean, what I'm trying to do is look at relative ball. sizes. He's clearly a dwarf. Yeah. No. I think it's I think it's one of the blue wizards. Okay. <laughs> he's oh, kind he of Gandalf's hat off. Yeah, he's kind of uh he's kind of let himself go, you know, if it's one of the blue <laughs> wizards. <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> That's right. Same face tattoo and empty eye sockets. But right, there are says. any number of circumstances under which a blue wizard could have lost an eye and tattooed his face. Um, to, yeah. match, to match the Ryan's tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was a fanboy. I don't know. You know, this is, um, is this eye socket really empty? Or is yeah, his eye just kind of closed? I think his left eye looks like it's there's no eye in it, but I don't know. It does seem it, it is very perplexing that he's just wandering around free. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I hope that gets explained. I mean, I hope, like you said, I hope we see him tracking him in Mirkwood. You know, maybe there's a scene where um, Radagast and Gandalf pull up on the bunny sled, and there's a little oh, yeah. Maybe dwarf. he wasn't. Yeah, maybe he wasn't in Dol Guldur. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I think so. Yeah, that's that definitely my in. theory. Yeah. 
So he skulks but, around and then. But then again, how 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 on earth was he just wandering around Mirkwood, un uneaten by spiders, uncaptured <laughs> by Sauron and the elves? Um, I I think I understand why this was cut from the theatrical release because. I don't. I have a feeling it's not going to make a lot of sense. It seems like it raises a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. It seems like. I mean, maybe maybe once I see it in context of the uh, everything, it maybe. Kevin says. Sense, yeah, Kevin says at least they kept the witless and wandering part. Yes. But, but I, I'm a little. I'm a little. Uh, I'm a little skeptical. This. This. See, people. This is what happens when you try to ramrod in things from the books that. Um, that don't make a whole lot of narrative sense within the structure of the film. They're like, well, we should have Well, and he's ramrodding it. it at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah this is yeah, something that in the book problem. that happened ages ago. That's the big Plus, problem. I mean, in the book, he was a he was an actual prisoner. I mean, he was actually a, in the dungeons. Right, right, yeah. No, I'm... Though I agree, you know, and, and again, I think that people under... People who dislike the films under underrate uh, this fact as well, that I do think that sometimes some of the problems the films get into is in their attempt to be too faithful, you know, in their attempt right. to, to, you know, in their unwillingness just to jettison things from the book, which don't actually fit fully in the story that they're telling. Right. Um, yep. Okay, so I, I th- actually, I think Gandalf's expression here pretty much says it all for me. Like, that's just how I feel about this. That's a perfect... Perfect. I, actually, this needs huh? to be a meme what right here. Like here? this is, yeah. This needs to be a meme. That's true. This needs to be a meme. This is a perfect yeah. meme frame. Um, There's so many things that you could say. So many to things that. you could apply. Yeah, that Absolutely. facial expression is very broadly applicable, um, especially for things That's related true. to these films. Yeah. Um, okay, so Thorin shouldn't return. Oops. Yeah, there he is. Okay, we've seen that. Of course, we've seen that. Did we see this exactly? No, I don't think so. Him shooting fire. Is, he's in. He's in Lake Town because he didn't arrive in Lake Town. No, this isn't Lake Town. This isn't. This is underground still. Oh, is it? I think I thought so. it was Lake Town because there's Bard. Oh, I thought. The, oh no, you're right. No, the, yeah, this is this is Thorin. That's Thorin. Yeah, you're right. We did see that. Do we see this? I, I don't know, but who knows what's happening? It's, I, I don't even know. But okay, anyway, so we've got this. I'm 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 interested by the extent to which. Um, uh, okay, Tom and Gerald think that we did see it. Okay, I couldn't remember him yeah. shooting fire in that particular place. So, um, it's interesting how closely this trailer follows the same climactic moments that the old trailers did. You know, I this know. is this is clearly not a check out all the new footage trailer. This is a we're trying to sell you the whole movie and including a little bit. So here we go. Oh, there's a broken bridge over the Black River. So that's, that's part of that thing we've seen, that scene that we've seen. Yeah. Bjorn chopping wood. Bjorn. Chop. Chop. And back to what we've seen before. Seen that before. Okay, now this we haven't this seen we before. Haven't seen. This was interesting. Yeah, and this is this is again, this, I agree. This is the one other sort of legitimately interesting um uh moment because it does show that the master is like totally comfortable with the fact that Smaug is actually there, and uh, right. um, and in fact is totally fine with the dwarves being off by him. Right. Which you know you would think, but it is um, still not used to those hats. I've missed the hats. 
Ooh, I didn't see them being that fancy before. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Pretty fancy. Anyway. um, Look at Alfred. Alfred is totally like, I'm just humoring this guy. Um... It is, it is a little bit. I don't know. The master of Lake Town is a little hard to swallow, in some ways. I. Why do you say that? Well, in the book, the master of Lake Town is this, you know, money-minded, trade-oriented, um, you know, presumably like merchant oligarchy functioning um, guy. And the implication there with him personally and with Lake Town as a whole is that they have forgotten the dragon. You know, in fact, you know, the narrator says that there are many people in the town who openly question whether there is a dragon at all in the mountain. Um, And it makes sense as a kind of society that is growing up either in ignorance or at least in sort of forgetfulness of the proximity of their danger, of the proximity of the dragon. If, basically, what I'm kind of wrestling with here is, if he knows, like, oh yes, our neighbor, the fire-breathing dragon, um, if he knows that, and, it, and it's clear that they do, I mean, they all remember that, you know, because it was a, apparently very recent, um, uh, you know, again, remember the compression of the time frame in Jackson's film, since uh, you know Thorin's not even that much older than he was. I mean, did we have we ever established how long it's been? Am I missing it? Did the film say how long ago it was that Erebor fell? Mm, um, if they did, I didn't pay very close attention. I don't think did it specify if any if any of you who are listening to us recall the, a, a number being given. Um, because it's obviously not that long. Um, Kate does point out that Balin's hair color does change from red to white. So does so does Thorin's. I mean, Thorin gets more gray in his gets more hair. gray. Yeah, but it, it's so. Um, what indication is given of the relationship between Bard and Girion? He's a descendant ancestor. Right? He's an, he yeah, a, he's not his father. His, they don't even call him his grandfather. Presumably do they? further than grandfather, then? Seems to be. Or at least that's <laughs> what they're applying. Kay Ben Abraham says, I just assumed from the rest of the film chronology that Erebor fell the previous Tuesday. <laughs> it does kind of feel like that sometimes. Um, okay, right, so I'm not just blanking on it. it. It doesn't specify either the ancestry or the or the time. But it's still less time. Um uh, it's, it still seems to... Anyway, again, the, the point that I'm making is, you know, remember the, 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 the barbed shot, ironically, that the master um, levels at Bard about how if Girion had, like, shot better, this would, you know, it's like basically, you know, Girion's fault that the dragon didn't die. Problem. So that is to say, you know, this is very much a present memory um, in the minds of the people. Um so, um, 
Yeah, uh, Timothy, the genealogical tapestry is the dwarf genealogical tapestry, which doesn't show any time passing because it ends with Thorin. Um, Anyway, my point is, again, the culture of Lake Town in the book is a culture which has moved on and which has been forgetting its danger. That's why the guards don't keep very careful watch and don't take good care of their equipment. That's why the people are generally unprepared and and are unwilling to listen to Bard's warnings. That's why the master of Lake Town can be so focused on, you know, mercantile things as he, as, as, as he is, and even be skeptical about the existence of the dragon. In Peter Jackson's Lake Town, they're not skeptical. They remember quite clearly that there's a dragon there, but my question is like, how can the master of Lake Town carry on the way that he does, knowing what he knows? Oh, there's a dragon. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, it's it's his his whole regime is based on like basically keeping the people down. You know, keeping the people ignorant, um, and you know, he has this military that works for him and nobody else is allowed to even own weapons. You know, he's clearly worried about an uprising. But how can you operate that way? How can, you know, when you know that there is a deadly danger that lives nearby, you can't exactly be like, we're all about not arming the populace. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, you know, perhaps you can construct, I mean, goodness knows the master of Lake Town, um, you know, is is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So he, I mean, in the in the film, I mean, um, so he, I mean, he's quite cunning in the in the book. He seems much 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 less so, um, in the in the film. Um, you know, maybe you can just do it that way. Maybe you can just have him be, you know, uh, um, sort of dumb enough not to really think it through or, or whatever. But um, but he clearly knows that Smaug is alive here. Um, Timothy Fisher thinks the master is in cahoots with the dragon. There's an actual plot. Okay. (laughs) I like that. I like that. He's actually an agent of Sauron. Well, they, and they and they they present the master in the movie as much as 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 quite the heat the egotistical hedonist thing too, which yes. I don't know, you know, would an egotistical hedonist live that close to a dragon? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I kind of agree with you. It is a little bit confusing if you if you really take try to take a close look at the master's motivations and why he does what he does. And yeah, and why I he's looking in Lake Town. It doesn't seem particularly wise. No, he does not seem particularly wise. Well, after this, so I think there's that, there's very little else. In the book, in the book, Corey, the 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 deal is that they don't actually really. It's been like forever. No one's seen the dragon in living memory. Isn't that right? Correct. Not in living memory. Though it says like some of the really old people remember seeing him far off in the days of their youth. Like they saw him in the distance. But most people don't even yeah. listen to them anymore. So it's been yeah. it's been decades and decades since he was seen and people doubt it. So they're complacent when the dwarves are like, we're going to go up to the mountain and maybe stir up the dragon. People are like, eh, I don't even know if there's a dragon. Yeah. Now, I have a suggestion. We had talked about maybe showing the, the footage, you know, that we've seen before. But because we're time crunched, I think there's actually more of interest in the banner. I agree. Really, than, in fact, so much of trailer. interest that I'm wondering if we shouldn't save that for the next episode, actually. You're thinking maybe? Okay, we could do that. We're, so we could watch the footage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Instead, and save the banner for the next time. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that banner is really intriguing. Yeah, how I'm, much you want to bet? How much you want to bet in our of our... 25 minutes of new footage or whatever it is that 
that there's at least like 20 to 25% of it is just more barrel ride. (laughs) Now with 25% more decapitations. Um, Oh, of course. There'll just be a slightly more elaborate Legolas jumping on people's heads and flipping around. And and slightly more of everything. You know, that's probably how they'll do it. It's not going to be necessarily a lot of new stuff. It's going to be just extensions of things we've already seen. Every scene will have an extra two seconds. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The extended edition. Yeah, that really moved the story forward for me. N- n- now without any careful editing at all. We just threw it all in there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, th- th- there wasn't anything new in this latter sequence, is there? I mean. Well, the, there was that thing of Bayorn saying what he said. That they'll hunt the dwarves until they're no more gone, you know, no more left. But I mean, I again, okay, right. thanks for that information. Yeah, I was, yeah, and the way this we didn't see either, did we? Do we see this? Which, yeah, isn't that when they're 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 riding on the ridge, kind of toward the beginning of the second movie? Oh, okay, when they're hunting when they're them and, and, and they see Bjorn and, and Bilbo sees yeah. Bjorn. Now this one is new, where Bilbo says, "What is this?" Which again is a little strange to me. The Bible would say this. I mean, you're telling me this kid didn't ever go to Bree. He's never seen men before. Now, it is true that in the, the it's actually a, a, kind of a, an interesting little point because in the book, this, that this is true. The first time we encounter human beings, encounter them, mind, in oh, the book yeah, yeah. is here in Lake Town. So Lake Town is our first glimpse of the world of men in the book. That's right. Now you're right. When we think back from a uh, from a post Lord of the Rings standpoint, they would have come through Bree on the way out of the Shire to Rivendell. Right. So he would already have been encountering men. Um, <clears throat> but of course that didn't exist in the Hobbit, <clears throat> and there's no reference yeah. to it. So, um, I mean, I think that that's you know that's kind of interesting. So this is like immediately after. Like their hair is still wet from they coming arrive, up through the right. toilet, right? So I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> yes. Thor's hair looks longer. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and also you could make the argument that this place looks substantially different from different. Yeah, I mean, I could see him saying, "What, the, the what is this with all the water and stuff?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe um, he's just made it. How crappy it is! Isn't that Stephen Colbert over there? What's he doing here? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, I'm. I am. I am hopeful. I still. I still. Uh, you know. When I, I think back for all the things that we were hoping to see in the extended edition, uh, which would probably take twenty five minutes just for us to list all of the things that we have been hoping <laughs> to see in the extended edition. Um, I. I. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm. Uh, uh, I still am certainly hoping that we get more. By the way, I don't think. The more I think about it, the more I, the more I, unlikely it seems to me that we're just going to get more decapitations. Um, but my reasoning for that is not flattering. It's just because I think that they would have concluded it. Right, Peter Jackson likes the decapitation so much that he wouldn't have left them out the first That's, time. He wouldn't so. have cut those out. Yeah, yeah. it's the actual conversations and um, nuanced stuff that he would leave out. <laughs> yeah. Good point. 
Not all of which um, is always a bad call um, for those of us who recall the Naked Dwarf Pyramid uh, in the fountains true. of Rivendell. Um, that was a piece of local color I really could have done without. Um, done without, yes. And um, uh, seemed quite justifiably cut from the theatrical edition. Um, so I hope it's not that. Um, yeah, Kate Neville says, I th- you know, she thinks it's largely more Mirkwood. Um, that's... Um, that seems to me... I mean, the Mirkwood sequence certainly seemed very, very short in the film. And we know for a fact that that's one of the scenes... You know, we saw the footage of them carrying Bomber. Um, the other film clip that was released was the uh, was a film clip of Bilbo crossing the river and we're seeing uh, Bomber about to, to fall into it. Um, yeah, and I wonder how long that is. That's at least a couple of minutes, isn't it? Yes. Just that clip alone. Yeah, yeah, the clip itself is two minutes long, um, and there's obviously more to it. So, because in fact, now I do like that. I mean, it's a slightly different than in the book, but the fact that Bomber, you know, ends up going to sleep and they carry him, I, I like that they have that. Image. I am looking forward to that sequence, and I am going to be especially curious about how they come out of that sequence. That is, Bomber yeah. is awake when we, you know. We never see a sleeping Bomber in the film, um, which means Bomber wakes up prior to their getting through Mirkwood and prior to their encountering the elves. Yeah, exactly. So, um, where... Maybe he wakes up when uh, Bilbo cuts him out of his cocoon. Yeah, I mean, is he asleep until then? I don't know. Um, But I I, I will be interested to see how they run that, because to me... um, yeah, oh, Brandon says the shooting of the deer scene will be in it too. Um, That's right, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, they, I, I look they forward to this. Surprisingly, can... surprisingly, didn't show that in this trailer, although I've I seen clips of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, this is actually this is one of the scenes I'm really looking forward to talking about when we do our extended edition. Um, oh, I'm looking forward to our extended edition uh, scene, episode. Yeah, episode because it's. Uh, um, guess i'll have to buy the extended edition. <laughs> d may d may says bomber's nap explains why he's so spry during the barrel chase <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> right exactly so um i mean I, I i am looking forward to talking about that because i think it's 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 going to be really interesting especially in con- in connection with how they did um you know the the, the sort of discombobulation of murkwood apart from the stream you know um Anyway, uh, I'm I'm very interested to talk about that. It's one it's one of the things I'm really looking forward to with the extended edition. Um, goodness, I can't even remember all the things that we were wanting to see in it. But, but yeah, I have to say I I'm not real excited about this trailer. Mm-mm. This trailer no. is disappointing. It would not if I wasn't already ter- determined to get the extended edition. It would not talk me into it. Oh goodness, no, no. And, uh, and even as, you know, now that, now that we're like fine connoisseurs of Hobbit movie trailers, uh, <laughs> having spent so much time looking at the trailers, this is not a well-constructed trailer. It's, it's really no. flat, I think. Um, it also seems like it's, it was thrown together really quickly, you know, cause so much of it's from stuff we saw before in other trailers, not even from the movie. It's clips from other trail, you know, from the previous trailers. Yeah. 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 It's very derivative. Uh, I, I'm not. Uh, 
I'm not pleased. I have uh, I have high standards in Hobbit movie trailers now, um, and uh, <laughs> some of them have been a meme. excellent. An extended I have high standards room. in Hobbit movie trailers. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, that's the other one, Erica. You know, Erica raises an interesting question, which is, okay, what are we seeing that we're actually not going to see in the film? You know, like the Azog jumping on the wall bit. That's right. Actually, yeah, they should have put Azog jumping on the wall. In fact, see, if I were making the trailer, I'd have done that just as an inside joke. Uh, you know, to, like, show the clip of Azog jumping up on the wall that doesn't happen, that you included in all of the previous trailers. I mean, like, I, I, that would have been hysterical. I, I totally would have done that. You know, just like a little. Plus, that's one of the things we need to do when we look at the third movie trailer when it comes out is right. decide which scene is not going to actually end up in the movie. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Though, as Gerald Michael yeah. reminds us, we do have those nine hours of extra of extra, you know, yes, uh, I know behind the scenes thing to look forward to. So he gives us twenty four extra minutes in the film, and then nine hours of how it was done. Oh, Great. Being yeah. a little, a little self-indulgent and self-promotion. <laughs> a little but bit. But again, I wonder how much of that, because wasn't, in the extended edition, some of that nine hours was also his video logs that he'd already done. I mean, I think some of it was repetitive of what had already been released. I'm not right. sure if, it, I mean, right. if you recall it that way. Yeah. Robert says that includes commentaries, doesn't it? Probably. Probably, yes. Yeah, I'll bet. Now, that's going to be interesting, because I did find the director's commentary on the first movie very very interesting because you know they would refer to things not only about decisions they made but also about like I remember Jackson saying oh that Morgul blade you know that's that's significant that's going to come up later kind of thing so right. I think the commentaries are interesting yeah so we'll have to do that when we do the extended edition we'll go through the movie and then we'll go through the comment the director's commentary version all in one Ripples in the Dark episode yeah yeah cool <laughs> absolutely I think that'll be easy um so <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we should actually we should probably we should probably go. So we'll, we'll save that. I, we were, I was going to look at the footage, the you know the crossing the river footage, but let's save that for the extended edition episode. Let's why look at those two minutes taken out of their context when we can talk about it more fully in context. Yes, um, absolutely. So we'll save that and uh, and we we can do the we'll have that banner and the next banner. time. Actually, to tell yeah. you the truth, I think that and the banner next time will take up, especially if we do an intro like we did today. Of forty minutes of something completely not on our in our notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. And 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 do we think I, I let's continue our our list of fallacies. This is this totally yes. needs to happen. You know this yes. this is. Uh, um, and we can get the podcast this, listeners involved in it too, so be, people are listening to it. This should be featured content on the MythGuard website. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Clearly. Tolkien criticism fallacies. Yep. We should have a whole thing about what you know, what we've what actually Corey really has been. Well, I know Dave is is this one. What we've created out of the riddles in the dark. You know, whole new descriptions. Critfic. You know how to pronounce Diane and Thryan properly. Um, right. You know, um, all kinds of things. Uh, the the um, another fallacy that we need to have a cool name for is the uh, failure to recognize archaic word usage fallacy. Um, like when people take the reference uh, to the Balrogs flying from Thangorodrim as evidence that they have wings, for instance. <laughs> right. Right. Um, 
or the there was another one too. Oh yeah, well the the, the Balrog one too in Moria in Moria where he says uh, shadows like wings. Exactly. Yeah, it's the it's the you know they're um, it's the you know. I don't know. I don't know how to name that fallacy without sounding unduly snootish. But <laughs> because, I mean, really, the whole problem with the Well, there are two problems with the Balrog wings thing. One problem, um, like the initial problem is simply like the failure to process, you know, literary technique uh, fallacy that is like failure to recognize a metaphor when you see it. Um, Overly literal interpretation fallacy. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and you know, I think what confuses modern day readers too is the way Tolkien did it. He did it very um, sophisticatedly, I think, you know, which is he does, it's actually a simile, I think, doesn't it? Cause I it's think a simile first, like but, and then a metaphor. See, that's the problem. And then a metaphor, like, like about a paragraph later, he doesn't say like, he, he says he spread his wings. And, and then like right, his say, wings reach from wall simile. to wall. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Those wings <laughs> I mean, that simile it. I was just talking about. Yeah. Exactly. He's expecting the reader to understand that he already did the comparison, that he doesn't need to repeat it again. Right. Jeez. Right. Now, I said that's right. only half You're the right. problem. The other half right. of the problem with the... <laughs> the other the other half of the problem with the Balrog wings thing is simply the visual imagination. Balrogs are associated yeah. even by Tolkien, they are explicitly associated with demons. And therefore right. the image of the winged demon, you know, the winged fire-wreathed demon yeah. is too firmly, you know, and I think this is this is to me made yeah. so clear by the fact that almost every artist who has depicted this scene depicts the Balrog with wings. Like it yeah. just looks better with wings. Um, yeah. and, and I totally get that. Like, I think it looks better too. You know, it, it, it makes, it makes all kinds of sense. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and it, it seems fitting and it looks really good. Um, and I mean that both in terms of like the visual art and in terms of like imaginatively, it looks cool. Right. But, um, but practically, I mean, the thing that always yeah. that put the nail in it for me was your um, plummeting to their death. Observation, <laughs> yes. yeah, no, no, was your observation that if they'd had wings, it, it would the first day in the first age, it would have been a complete. They would have flown around and found Gondolin on their own, right? You know what I mean? It's like you said that in one of your lectures. It was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if Balrogs actually had wings, I, I doesn't he make a point of? I mean, there's a point that Morgoth doesn't have any flying. I mean, even dragons don't have wings in the first in the first age. Right. Exactly. Until like later, I guess. Morgoth yeah, has I mean, no air like, force. <clears throat> why would he have to worry about finding Gondolin if he had like an airborne troop of you know demons? Right. And people do. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, Lincoln is asking the question. Um, you know, if if Balrogs have wings. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it can fly. You know, there are lots of things that have wings but can't fly. But that's an evolutionary argument. Like, I, they're immortal creatures manifesting themselves in a body. Why would you put vestigial wings on your manifesting body? <laughs> like, if, if you're immortal, like, you know, I, I it just it never makes any sense to me. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, yeah, it cannot be due to a process of evolution when they're immortal creatures. Um, <laughs> it's just not possible. Um, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brianna makes a 
good point. And Bray, Bray is an artist herself, and I had this thought too. I mean, I would think you know an artist could show the wings, but in very much in the way Tolkien describes them as shadow or smoke. You know, I, that yeah. to me is. I, I yeah. think I may have seen those. And those that's my preferred. Absolutely. Sort of. You know, and that's that's fine. And you know, I don't even object, <clears throat> apart from the fact that. Um, you know, the visual images tend to solidify people in their misreading. I don't even object to pictures of Balrogs with wings. They look really cool. I mean, I used to, I, I still do love that picture. I think it's, is it, is it, is it John Howard Allen Lee? I can't remember which one. The, the, uh, the old painting, um, that I, I, I had on a Tolkien calendar back in, when I was in high school oh, yeah. of, of, um, Glorfindel and the Balrog. Um, and the right. Balrog is just enormous and it has these huge spreading wings. Um, it looks awesome. I mean, it looks really, really good. Yet, John Howe, I thought that was John Howe, Brianna. That was my first guess. Um, I love that picture. Um, and if you drew, if you depicted, you know, the Balrog as it, you know, is actually described instead of as it's imagined there, it's going to look much less impressive. But, um, you know, yeah. actually, it's interesting to me that with that never ending, will not die question of why didn't the eagles just fly you know, Frodo to Mordor that crops up all the time, that nobody's actually brought up the why didn't the Balrog just fly out of the abyss right. question. Right. Because that's just a valid question to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, <laughs> frankly, a more urgent one. Uh, that's right. As theoretically, the there might be reasons why the eagles wouldn't fly them to Mordor, but there's no good reason why the Balrog would refuse to fly himself out of the abyss. Um, yeah, okay. Anyway. We were, however, finishing, and I got us distracted talking about fallacies again. So keep thinking about them. We, 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 I, uh, this is a threat. We will come back to this next time. I definitely want to pursue this idea. Um, yeah. Um, so keep keep thinking and keep thinking both of names for the fallacies and of uh, uh, of of other you know similar kinds of, of of fallacies that you think lead to sort of common misreadings. Um, uh, and oh, hey, Trish, we should have something to uh, we should have some kind of like feminist fallacy, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, like, oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Fallacy yeah. of like the, uh, that one to the list. Yeah. Yeah. That's you guys a link to the Google Doc. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> we're we're Dave's already making a collaborative document for us to be working on the fallacy list. Yeah, no, this 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 definitely needs to keep happening. Okay, all right, Absolutely. all right. The, the Title Nine fallacy. I love it, Kate. That is perfect. The Title Nine fallacy. <laughs> Absolutely, oh, that's, fantastic. that's that's yeah. brilliant. Done and done, Kate. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, well, except for the fact that that won't necessarily... Well, that, that nobody outside of America and even many people yeah. in it will understand what it means. Title IX is uh, is a reference to the law that says there has to be equality in men's and women's sports in schools. Um, you know, so if you have a, a men... You can't have... a money spent. Yeah, the money spent on them. So, yeah, so you can't have like a men's soccer team and not have a women's soccer team. There, it's 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 a law which is supposed to mandate equal opportunity um, yeah. for men and women in yeah. in, uh, in 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 that specifically is, in school sports perfect. environment. So the Title IX fallacy would explain Tariel then, right? <laughs> well, yeah. no. The, the 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 Title IX fallacy is uh, uh, the fallacy that I'm talking about are the people who sort of just count noses and say there are more men than women, and therefore oh, right, Tolkien right, right. is 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 uh, right. uh, you know um, is anti woman or sexist or you know yeah. yeah it's exactly. fine if, if it's fine if people want to read it and say 
I find there to be an insufficient number of women in this to hold my interest. Whatever, you know, right? Hey, right, ahead. exactly. But but if you're making a claim about Tolkien as an author or a person, right. based on the number of char- based on counting characters, then yeah, yeah, that's a fallacy. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, the Title Nine fallacy. I st- I I know it's going to be obscure to some people, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> it's- it's fine, you know. It's like the TV tropes, right? Like, it, like these things all end up with like eighteen different names. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. That's right. Cool. Okay. All right. All right. We're really going to let people okay. go. Okay. Okay. So, right. thanks for listening, and Godspeed.